Well, let's just lift up our hands. Father, we just thank you for your times of refreshing. Yes. We thank you that you can revive our hearts like no other. You can calm our minds like no other. We just thank you for your peace, which passes understanding, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I, well, we were just focusing right there at the end, just resting in his presence. You know, I was thinking about there is no rest like God. You know, I, I just like it was like a week and a half ago, I went for an hour-long relaxing massage, and well, it was physically relaxing. Nothing, nothing really relaxes me like the presence of God. And that's why we need to learn to just let our hearts go, forget about everything else that's going on, and just, God, I come into your presence. Thank you for your peace. Hallelujah. Well... Welcome all you that are joining us this morning via the internet. I hope you're enjoying your time at your cottages and in your travels. Uh, you guys that are here, come on, we're going to have a great morning this morning. Yes. We've already been having a great morning, but we're going to continue on today in our series, our summer series, which we started last week, on the nature and the character of God. And this is such an important, 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 important topic, because if, if we don't understand the nature and the character of God, it affects how you approach Him. It affects what you're willing to believe about Him. It, it affects how, how at, at, at rest and at ease you are when you come before Him. And so if you missed last week, come on, you missed, you missed a lot. You need to go to wordchurch.ca, go to the media section, and watch last week's because we really dove into the love of God. We really took a look at it, and, and you know, it's not about how much you love Him. You will never be able to love as much as he loves. He loves you so much more than you could ever imagine. He has shed his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit. It says he poured it in. You can just picture it like this big old cup where he just poured his love into you and that it enables you to love in ways that you never did. But it's not based upon how much you can love. It all started with how much he loved. And so if we put the, the emphasis in the wrong direction, we'll get the wrong results. It's about his love for us. And the more you allow yourself to be loved, you'll find yourself able to love in ways that you couldn't before. Amen? And so we looked at Paul in Romans chapter 10 where he said, Brothers, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And so Paul's feeling in his heart, he's like, I want them to be like me. And he recognized there was an issue going on with them. He says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And that's the word epionosis, which means precise and correct information. So they were passionate about God, but they just didn't have the right details about him. Now, this really gives us a good thing to remember when we're reading our Bible. Some of the ways that they were viewing God in the Old Testament are wrong. Okay, don't get hung up on that. I'm not saying the Old Testament is bad. You need to look at it through the lens of Jesus. It gives you the right perspectives. 
it gives you the right things to focus on. And there's things that people of the Old Testament said about God that were just not true. You want an example? Job. He said, oh God, you give and you take away. And he was using it in the context of his situation where he was living a blessed life and the enemy attacked him and he lost everything. He lost his kids, he lost his cattle, he lost his riches, and he turned and said, God, you've taken it from me. But if we read the story, it wasn't God who came and took. It was the enemy who came and took. So Job's perspective of God was, God, you gave me it, and then you've now taken it away from me. Where God has already told him in that story, your perspective is wrong. He had three friends that came to him, and they told him, like, oh, you know, curse God and die, you know, all these things. And then one man stands up and says, hey, hey, Job. You're the problem, not God. <laughs> and we focus so much on the three friends but the, and not so much on Elihu, the youngest friend, who brought correction and said, the way you're viewing it is wrong and God is right. And what did Job had said? He said, the thing I've greatly feared has come upon me, which means he was empowering things in his life to go wrong. He was afraid of losing his family. He was afraid of losing his things. And in having that perspective, allowed the enemy access into his life. And so just because Job said, God, you give and take away, that doesn't mean that that was God who did that. It says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in whom there is no shadow of turning. And so when Paul says that they had a zeal for God, they were passionate, but they just weren't correct. Come on, you know, you ever had run into someone who was sincere about what they believed, but you recognize that they were sincerely wrong? They were passionate about it, but they could still be wrong in it. And there's things that have, in my life that I was passionate about in the past that I discovered through the lens of the Word of God. It's like, no, that's just not correct. So I shift and become passionate about what the word actually says. And so when we're, when we're approaching the nature and the character of God, some of the things that people said about God weren't necessarily true in the Old Testament. But we can look at what God said about himself. And he doesn't change. And what he said is true. So you have to ask yourself the question, who's talking? What are they saying? Why are they saying it? And what did God say? And if they're the same thing, you can believe it. If what God said and what they said are different, believe God. Amen? Amen. And so you can be passionate and zealous about things, but still be wrong. And so last week we talked about if we want to have a clear picture of the nature of God, there's no better place to look than Jesus. Where Jesus said in John 14, 7, If you'd known me, you would have known the Father, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. Why? Because you've seen Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 9, he says, He who sees me has seen the Father. So if we see what Jesus did, we see what Jesus said, that's an accurate reflection of, of what the Father's actually like. And I mentioned this last week, that when we look between the Old Testament and the New Testament, some people get the idea that God is the angry one, 
and Jesus is the one that, oh, it's okay, Jesus, here's my blood, I'll make it all better, you can calm down now, God, you can calm down. No, they're not like that, they're not on ends of the spectrum, and Jesus didn't need to calm God down, Jesus is an accurate reflection of who God is. So in going forward this morning, why don't you turn in your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to camp here for a little while this morning. Colossians chapter 2. And in verse 1 of chapter 2, Paul says this, For I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and for those who are in Laodicea, and for as many who have not seen my face in the flesh. And so why is Paul writing to the church at Colossae? He has never met them. The church at Colossae was not one of the churches that Paul started. It's one of the churches that his traveling companion, Epaphras, started. And you know, Colossae all gets dumped in with Ephesus and the Corinthian churches and Thessalonica, which Paul did start. But he's saying here in chapter 2, I've never met you. He's like, and, and my heart reaches out to you because you haven't seen me in the fa with my face. You haven't seen me face to face. It's like, you know of me, because Paul and Epaphras are very close, and I know of you, but my heart goes out to you because you haven't seen me in, in the flesh. And in verse 2, it says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, of both the Father and of Christ. And so what is Paul saying? Why does his heart go out to Colossae? He's like, I don't know what you know and what you don't know about the Father. And that's an important thing. When you, when you know someone and you spend time with them, you get to have that relationship and you get, begin to know what they know. You've been able to answer certain questions, right? You, you, can, you can be like, okay, I don't need to cover this topic because I know you know it. And so Paul's saying, I, I'm not confident about what you know about God and about Jesus. So, so I, I want to write to you so that we can establish some important things about God and about Jesus. So this is like the perfect example for us. If Paul's saying, I, I don't know what you know, so I'm going to teach you some things. When we're talking about the nature and the character of God, this is what we need to know. He says, in the Father and in Christ, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Come on. He's saying that in God and in Jesus, all wisdom is there. And which is important because when we come from an unbelieving background, maybe we didn't grow up in the church, we've learned other aspects of wisdom from other things, and we're like, okay, this is the way I think, and this is the way I've known. They may not be correct. All true wisdom flows out from the perspective of who God is and who Jesus is. And so when we're dealing, interacting with people, even if they know a bit about God, depending on how they grew up, they may have the wrong perspective. You know, it was interesting. John and I were having a conversation on Friday, and he was ministering to someone this week, and they said to him, oh, you got to be careful with God. You don't want to get too close. He's going to hurt you. Come on. 
This is someone who is supposedly a Christian. You don't want to get too close to God. He'll hurt you. That means they have the wrong perspective of God. What did we say that the core nature of God from last week that we needed to establish on was? God is good. And so if your perspective of God is leading to be like, okay, God may hurt me, you're missing that core objective, which God is good. He's always good. He doesn't change. He's the father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning and that every good gift comes from him. And we have to remember it's a good God and a bad devil. And so maybe some of the things that the devil does, we're attributing to God and they're just not, that's not how it is. God and the devil don't play together. They are diametrically opposed. So don't say that God is doing this when it's clearly something that the devil does. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God, Jesus came that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so people get odd perspectives of God when they didn't come out of God. They came from things from the world. And so he's, he's telling them here, he's like, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in God and in Jesus. It'll give you something to latch around. And if it's not what the Bible says, go ahead and throw it on the garbage heap. And he says this in verse 4. And I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Now think back to two weeks ago when we were talking about epigenosis and how having precise and correct information allows you to correctly reject what is wrong and accept and acknowledge what is true. What you don't know can very much hurt you, right? You know, we used the example two weeks ago of somebody calling, uh, sending you an email with a scam, and if you don't know that it's a scam, you can go into it and lose money, and you can be hurt and stuff like that through it. And why do scammers generally, with their with, when they're using a, a piece of technology, try to target the elderly? Because they're generally ones that are less knowledgeable about technology and are easier to deceive. And so when it comes to the things of God, it's the same way. If you don't know the correct nature and character of God, the enemy will come in and he will try to deceive you. And so when you know God, it's like, why would I fall for that crap, devil? I know who you are. You're a liar. That's not my God. He is good. He's got good things for me. I'm going over. I'm not going under. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And everything I touch will be blessed. And every place I put my foot will belong to me. I'm going forward. And you can't cheat me out of my inheritance, devil. And so he's like, everything is based around God and Jesus. And when you know that, people can't deceive you. And so he says, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and your, the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Let's just take a really quick side journey here. Everything in your life, your life of faith, the just shall live by faith, is operates the same way you believed in Jesus. It's all the same. As you've received him, so walk in him. And sometimes we make salvation really easy 
and make everything else seem really hard, like I really got to believe, really got to believe. Uh, when, I, when I believed on Jesus, my sister, she took me behind the, our old glide rocker. I don't even know if we still have that or you still have that. And she said, you know, Jesus, this is, he came and gave his life for you. And you, if you want to go to heaven, you got to believe on him. And I said, oh, that's great. What do I do? And she said, pray this with me. I prayed. I believed. I was done. You know, it's not something I was like, got to believe, got to believe, got to believe, got to believe, got to believe. Oh, this is so hard. No, it was the easiest thing I've ever done. Believing is easy. And so as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him in the same way. Don't make it hard. Just believe him and move forward. Amen? So as you've received him, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. And as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit, according to the tradition of men and according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. He says, don't let people deceive you. How do we let them not deceive us? We know the word. We know our God. We know in whom we believe. We know who we're walking with. You can't be moved aside when you know that. And so it says in verse 9, for in him or in Jesus dwells fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything you need to see about God, everything you need to know about him is reflected in Jesus because he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Not even just a glimpse. He's the fullness. Why should that bring us peace? And why should that be so important? We have four books of the Bible that we just watch Jesus walk from city to city, heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the 5,000, love on people, be moved with compassion. And if that is an accurate reflection of God who walks with you every day of your life, as you go from place to place, he heals the sick, raises the dead, feeds the 5,000, is moved with in the same way. And so, as this is our summer series, I'm going to give you some homework. John, you were saying you don't really like some homework? Well, I'm going to give you some anyways. I want you to take some time over the next few weeks. I don't know what you're reading in the Bible right now, but take some time. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some, some wisdom that I would give, start in John. John is a great place to start because it will accurately reflect the love nature of God. Because John knew how much he was loved by God. So much so he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so you'll get an accurate picture of who God is. So I want you to take some time, and I really mean it. Don't just be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You need to as we continue this series. It says, because in Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwells. I love how the message translation renders that verse. You ready for this? You ready? This is really good. I love this. Okay, you ready? Yes. I want some yes. feedback here, people. We didn't yes. just come to listen. We came to interact, right? Here we go. Everything of God gets expressed in him so that we can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ. What were they reflecting here? It's easy. 
to see God's nature. It's easy to hear him and see him. He's not far away. He's not so tiny that was like, oh, where is it? Where is it? And you definitely don't need no horoscope for him. He wants to reveal his nature and his heart to him, to you. And so the fullness of God is revealed in Christ. Now that's not all Paul's saying here. He then says, and you are complete in him. So, in Christ, the true nature and character of God is revealed. And in Christ, your true nature and possibilities are revealed. And so the more you know God, and the more you recognize Christ being his fullness, you can understand who you are. That's why this topic is so important. It's not just learning about God as we learn about God. We're learning about us. Come on, the world is on a journey of self-discovery. You know, they have books, thousands and thousands and thousands of self-help books trying to help you see who you are. We've got the ultimate self-help book. And it reveals who you are. Sons and daughters of God. If that's his nature, sons have the same nature as him. Why? Because species produce after their own kind. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. God didn't have worms for kids. God didn't have cats for kids. He had children, sons and daughters, after his own nature. And so as we see what Christ is and what Christ has done, it has revealed who we are. And we can begin to stop living and thinking so small. Yeah. Amen? Amen? If we just jump back one chapter, Paul said in chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, those things that are visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Come on, so Jesus is the perfect expression of the Father because he's been the one that's been at work the entire time. When God said, let there be light, and there was light, here Paul tells us it was Jesus who carried it out, who was the one that was actively at work in it. Because that's what God said when he decided to create man. He said, let us create man in our image. Us and our are plural. It was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit actively at work together. And so when we try to separate them and categorize them independently, we can't. They flow together like this. Whenever one works, the other's like, let me get on board with you. And I love what he says here. He says, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And this is an interesting aspect because I'm sure we've all had the thought or had somebody bring up the thought of where did God come from? Come on, am I the only one? I know I'm not. Where did God come from? It's not a question that we can really answer out of our creation because he didn't come out of something. We came out of him. 
It's the equivalent of you making an ant farm. You know, you put some dirt in and you let the ants in and they, ma they make it. It'd be like one of those, the ants going and going, oh, I wonder where that guy who put us in this box came from. No, we, it came from you. You did it. How can you answer that question? And so does God have beginning and end? Not according to us. He's not bound by time like we are. He created time. It came out of him. He touches all points of time at the same time. And so to answer, where did he come from? Where did he start? You just don't have the capacity at that moment to answer. And so we don't need to get bogged down by that. Just learn the boundaries of God. As Paul prayed, that you would know what is the height, the breadth, the depth, the width of the love of God. And when what he's saying is, you're never going to find the boundaries. Because the more you look, it's like, he's bigger than I thought. He loves deeper than I ever could have imagined. It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. You can't reach the ends of him because the ends of you came out of him. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Another way of saying that, in all things he may go first. And why is that something to think about? Because that means you can go second, third, fourth, fifth. When someone is the first, they're the pioneer. Jesus pioneered a new way of living, a new way of thinking. He made things available to you that weren't before. And so as he went through, you watch him take the journey. And it's like, well, if he did it, I can. Come on. If he did it, I can. He goes first. You know, that, that, that's so much I see that in my own children. When one gets up and does something, yesterday we were out exploring around Perth, and they were wa walking out in the rapids, and as soon as Bennett got out there, it was like, Harrison's like, well, he did it, so now I have to. And he takes off his socks and shoes, and he gets out there, and then, like, of course, Montgomery's like, I'm going out there. We're like, well, let, let me have your socks first, you know? You're going to have soggy feet for the rest of the day. It's like when you see him go first, it was because he was blazing a trail so that you could then walk it. And so where he goes, you can go also. He said that to his disciples, and they said, well, how, how can we go where you're going? We, we don't even know where you're going. And he said to them, you know the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. He walked the trail so that you can. So that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all of the fullness should dwell. And so I'm really wanting to hammer this home that Jesus is the accurate reflection of the nature and the character of God. What Jesus did, he did because God was with him. Isn't that what Peter preached in Acts chapter 10? He said how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Hallelujah. And so if we stop for a second and we think it was God with him, and so what Jesus did, he did it because God wanted him to, and he was with him while he did it. So whatever Jesus did was fully endorsed by the Father. They're, they're not separate. It's not Jesus saying, it's okay, Father, don't be angry, don't be angry. No. Love flows from the Father. Second Corinthians 5.19 says that God was in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself and not imputing their trespasses against them. What Jesus did, he did because the Father was with him and wanted him to do it. And if we talked about last week, God is good, another thing we need to establish is God has forgiven you. Of what? Everything. Can we say that again? Everything. Look to your neighbor. He forgave their everything as well. Cut them a little slack. Come on. Everything. I love what Hebrews 10:16 says. He says, "This is the covenant I will make with them after those days," says the Lord. "I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them." And then he adds, "Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Meaning, not only did he just let the blood go over them, when the blood was applied, he forgot about them. Let's stop remembering things he's chosen to forget. And he says, where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. Jesus was enough. And therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus. So what does that say? If we follow that progression, when we understand just how forgiven we are by the blood of Jesus, it gives us boldness to say, God, I'm coming to the throne. I'm coming to meet with you. Here I am, God. I've chosen to be with you this day. It gives you confidence, and it gives you boldness. Come on, sometimes we think, we think that, no, no, once you've properly atoned for everything, then, and you've gotten it out, and you've changed your ways, then you can come to God. No, because he's removed it, come a-running. You can have boldness to come into the holiest of holies, because God is meant to be experienced, yes. not just yes. talked about. Yes. Come on. God is meant to be experienced. And so he's like, okay, what do I need to do so that they can come and learn of me, taste of me, and be with me? Okay, sin, gone. Goodness, love, flow. Come on, my children. Let's have a party. Let's sit down at the table. Let's partake together. Come on, get hungry with me. Come on, isn't that our word for this year? I am hungry for the things of God. I'm not content to just experience him a little. I want to experience him again anew today. And when I experience him, I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. Come on, he's going to write his laws on my heart. He's going to put them in my mind. I don't have to live the way I used to live because when I'm with God, I'm transformed. And so whatever feels like it's trying to keep you from him, remember, he's forgot about it. Come running anyways. Hallelujah. Just so much we could say. But Jesus is an accurate reflection of what the Father is feeling. You know, there's a situation in Matthew chapter 11 where we actually see Jesus begin to lose his cool a little bit and lose his temper. And I want to read it this morning out of the message translation in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 15. And he's talking to a crowd of people and he's getting mad and he says this, are you listening to me? Are you really listening? And you know, sometimes as a pastor I feel that, like, you know, you look over at some people and they're just like, not you guys, not you guys. They're the ones that I'm talking about. They didn't come today. Come on, they're not, they're not here today. And if it's you watching on the video, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but he said to me, he's like, are you actually listening to me? 
Are you listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth? And sometimes when you look at his own disciples, you can say, no, they're not actually listening. It took them 10 years to connect the dots on some things, you know? When he, when he died, he said, you know, I'm going to all the world and preach the gospel, and they didn't move for like 10 to 13 years. Come on. <laughs> are you really listening? And he goes on, and he just begins to lay into them, and he says, how can I account for this generation? The, the people have been like spoiled children whining to their parents. We want to skip rope, but you were always too tired. We wanted to talk, but you were always too busy. And when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, I heard Bennett's voice. And, like, you never play ball with me. You never practice with me. Like, I'm pretty sure we played every day of the week so far. <laughs> and so he's, he's saying, this is what these people are like. He said, John came fasting, and they called him crazy. I came feasting, and they called me a lush, a friend of the riffraff. Opinion polls don't count for much, do they? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. And next, Jesus let it fly on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had responded the least, shrugging their shoulders and going on their way. Doomed to you, Chorazin. Doomed to you, Bethsaida. If Tyre and Sidon had seen half of the powerful miracles you have seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. And at Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. And Capernaum, don't even get me started about Capernaum with all your peacock strutting. You got you. You are going to the end uh, in the end up in the abyss. And if the people of Sodom had your chances, the city would still be around. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. So Jesus is a little worked up here and in the middle of this tirade that he's going off all of a sudden it says and abruptly Jesus broke into prayer and this is a good wisdom when you're worked up and you're going off stop don't continue go to the father he abruptly broke into prayer and he said thank you father you can just see him calming himself here thank you father Lord of heaven and earth, you've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and the know-it-alls, but you spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. I'm so glad I'm just an ordinary person. And then an amazing thing happened when he took a moment with the Father. Jesus resumed talking to the people now tenderly. Meaning what we were seeing was not a proper outflow of the Father, but as soon as he directed his attention back to him, the love of the Father began to flow to the people. And he says, the Father has given me all these things to do and to say. This is a unique father and son operation coming out of the Father and Son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Woo, that's good. Anyone willing to listen, he's ready to go clearly. What did we say? We don't need a telescope, we don't need a microscope, and we don't need a horoscope. He's ready just to say, experience me, listen to me, hears me, I'll reveal my heart and my character to you. You don't have to say, I don't know God. If you want to know, here he is. Anyone willing to listen? He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? 
Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. It's not hurt. The more you get to know God, John, he's not there to hurt. He's there just to pour out love. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Isn't that where we started this morning? It's so good just to let the peace of God come upon you to open up your heart and let the walls fall down and let his peace, which passes understanding. If you're ever in a time of worship or prayer and you're kind of like tied up, just go, God, you can have my whole heart. I'm here to experience you. You'll learn to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is what Jesus said about what happens when you come to him and you come to God. He learns, teaches you how to relax. The world has gotten so uptight and so busy and so... Gotta go, gotta do, gotta go, gotta do. Sometimes you get more done by going, what is really important, God? Where should the focus be? You need me to take five minutes to pray? I'll take five minutes to pray, okay? We ready to go weed the garden? Let's go weed the garden. Come do it with me, God. Let's do it together. And the pressure comes off. I've, I've been kind of letting my mind be more cognizant of what people say about God that's not true. And this week, as I was going through some videos, I came across this guy, he was an atheist, and he said, religion is just a holdover from, from humanity's infancy. And the only reason we ever needed religion is so that we can control the masses and control the people. God is not about control. God is about building you up, strengthening you, expanding your boundaries, letting you live freely and lightly. Paul said, because of the grace of God, I labored more than everybody else. Not to obtain the grace of God, but because of it. And so when we come to God, he's not there to control you and contain you. He's there to show you the real boundaries of who you are. So Father, we just thank you for your character. We thank you for your nature. And as we commit these next few weeks to you, God, we just invite you in our midst. We know that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. And so as you're here and as we're here, reveal your heart. Reveal your nature. We just want to take our time. We want to go real slow with this, God. We want to see your true nature. We want to reflect it to the people around us. We know that this world is hurting. We know that this world has got so many issues, but we know you are the solution to whatever the problem is. And so as we know you, we can accurately reflect you. And we thank you, Father, that this world is ready to hear you. They're ready to hear about you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In just a moment, our word care team is going to be right up here at the front. 
They would love to pray with you, believe with you, agree with you, celebrate with you. And whatever's going on in your life, go ahead and take advantage of that. They would love to be a blessing to you in any way that they can. If you want to give this morning, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give. Or there's envelopes in the seat, baskets at the back. And whatever you choose to do, we just say thank you for partnering together with us. But guys, if you're taking away something from this morning, is you can know as much about God as you want to know. If you feel like you don't know enough, it's okay. Just say, God, I want to know more. I want to experience more. And as we read last week, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be over. Father, we just thank you once again for this morning. We thank you for our time of worship. We thank you for this word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would establish it down in our hearts in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this holiday weekend, for the beautiful weather that you've given us, that we can just celebrate this great nation of Canada. But above all, we celebrate you, God. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, let's have some coffee and good conversations, and let's have an awesome week.